Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookie podcast. The Undead Wookie is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookie, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello, how are you all doing? Thank you for joining us on this jam-packed episode. So coming up, I get to sit down and have a chat with... Uh, one of the UK's premier scream queens, the one of the only Miss Danny Thompson. And then we'll be jumping over to What the Wookiee Watched. And we have got two, not one, but two, Ian Die, uh, brand new movies coming to you today for us to have a little uh, review of and a look at. Um, I'm just rambling already. We're not even a minute in. <laughs> so I'm going to shut up now and uh, let's jump over to my chat with Danny. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am joined by a very special guest, actress, producer, writer, director, recording artist, entrepreneur, um, and I'm sure there are several other strings uh, to her bow that we haven't been able to cover. Ladies and gentlemen, clap your hands, jangle your jewellery, and give a very, very warm welcome to the one and only Danny Thompson. Hello, Danny. How the devil are you? Hello. I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Not bad for a Sunday. I love how everybody plays along like we haven't chatted before we've even started. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. First of all, thank you so much uh, for taking your time out uh, and joining us uh, today because I know you're busy. Um, you seem to be walking everywhere whenever you appear on social media. So um, yes. it's quite impressive. Do you know how many miles you've clocked up or... Uh, I haven't a clue. Do you know, I no, I don't know. I'm sure my phone would probably tell me, wouldn't it, if I had my phone in my pocket? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I do, I do like a good walk. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, you, you, you know, you get about places. So, have you got any favourite places you've been to recently? Oh God! This. So you send me a list of questions, and you ask me something I hadn't even thought I'd be asked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, um, sorry about that. I did no, say we'd, we'd bounce around. I the, the walking thing, that was actually something that happened in lockdown. So I was never a hiker beforehand. I'd climbed Snowdon, I think, actually. And that's like the only walk, I'd, a proper walk I'd ever done, really, apart from, you know, small walks, dog walks. Um, yeah. But it, when we were allowed to meet up and you were allowed to see each other outside. So me and my friends, we, we were like, well, what can we find that's kind of in the middle of us? And we can, you know, we can hike outside and then that just kind of we just did a lot of that so we probably saw more of um more of the uk um that that summer when you were allowed to go out but you just couldn't go in shops or in houses yeah. together um you know, we just traveled around camping and, and walking um so now yeah i've become an avid hiker so i love dorset we did a beautiful one down there Durdle door very very hilly mm. some tough tough hills um, but yeah, that was beautiful. Done. Um, Kinder Scout was quite nice. That was a mountain in the peaks, I think. Um, and I've done one. I've done down in Berlin Gap near sort nice. of near Hastings. That's beautiful. I love the South. I like I like a coastal hike um, because I like the sound of the waves. Nice. I mean, it's impressive. I mean, I enjoy a good walk, but there are times you just think, oh, it's a bit of a steep hill, that, isn't it? It's a bit yeah, of a I've got great hills, to be honest. There's, the Surrey Hills is kind of in between where me and my friends all live. So that was a kind of go-to 
So there's a place called Box Hill, which has got some amazing stepping stones. You kind of cross this little stream with stepping stones. But there are some nasty hills. And it's called the Surrey Hills. So you expect that, you know, you expect hills. But yeah. I don't know what. You think you'd get used to it, but I, I do struggle with hills. No, I mean, and obviously from this end, living in South Wales, um, we are just surrounded by hills and mountains. You know, yeah. we spend pretty much all of our time going uphill. <laughs> so uh yeah it, like i say it's it, you know some of the you know it's great when you see like people out and about and you get to see sort of other parts of the country that you don't normally see so that's quite cool um we try and find, we've, we actually ended up with with uh, joint memberships in the national trust and english heritage because you tend to find that you can park there so you've always got a car park and you'll always find a good hike around the areas yes so that's kind of our way of thinking so now we try and we're like well what well, can we go to a stately home and do a hike can we do it all in one day so that's how we try and plan where we're going. Nice. Do you find um, it actually getting out and being out in the open actually helps in terms of, you know, when you when you need you know a bit of time to think about characterization or characters or acting or any or particularly when you're writing? I always find it's really useful to take a little bit of a walk whenever I go to do some writing. Yeah. Um, I think when you're out in nature, it's just good for you all around for your well-being. <laughs> so you've got yeah. to fit actually doing the walking, but also it kind of clears your mind and. I think it's just very healthy to be in a natural environment. I tend to, for writing, I tend to get my best ideas when I'm on trains or planes. And I think it's where you've got no distraction. Mm. I'm, I get distracted by my fridge or I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything to write. So I think I'm going to go and find some inspiration in the fridge. But instead, I just end up eating calories I didn't need. So I do find when, you, when you've not got that distraction of somewhere like a fridge to go to and distract you, um, I find I do come up with very good ideas when I'm traveling. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Sort of, there is sometimes they do say inspiration strikes you in the most unlikely places. And, you know, I find usually I've got a little spot where I sit and that's why I sort of tend to write and I get my best ideas. But I sort of find, you know, being in the car, particularly because, you know, we we spend a lot of time going back and forth to Glastonbury and places. Mm. Um, And usually it's such a great sort of, sort of little drive to walk up towards Glastonbury and you get all the sort of um you get all the old Anglo-Saxon names for different places and your your brain starts sort of firing off and you think oh that might work and then you jot something down then you forget about it if you're anything like me <laughs> and well, then uh, oh I don't have a notepad in the car so I have an idea and I'm like I must write that down when I stop and then I forget and then I don't remember that idea yeah. Or I'll, you know, sometimes you think, oh, that's a really good, that's something I need to write. And you, you, you sort of scribble it down somewhere and then you forget where you put that bit of paper. And then like six months later, you'll think, oh, oh what was that? And you can't read your own handwriting. So many notebooks that I write different things and different ideas. And if I'm writing a script, I'll, you know, I'll have one notebook that is meant to be for that purpose. But then I'll end up with the same film over three different notebooks and all kinds of other stuff. So you have to kind of <laughs> learn to route through yeah, yeah. do you have a graveyard of notebooks yeah i yeah. have that and then i look back and i'm like i don't even know what this means like, <laughs> like i've written something and i'm sure it's there is obviously a purpose to it but i have no clue now yeah yeah i'll find that i've written scenes out and sort of just like outlines of things and outlines of characters and those kind of then i'm writing away and i'll put it away and think i'll find i'll come back to it and then you come back and you think what was i thinking yeah. What was that? What was that? What was that? And you just think. But sometimes you do find little bits, little gold, little nuggets. Yeah. Write everything down. You never know when you're on. Absolutely. Like quotes and things as well. If I ever find good quotes, I'm like, write that down. 
remember it. So, and it also now it's also in my phone. So, you know, you've got the notepad in your phone. Yes. Different bits there. But I think there's like two different ways of getting into your notepads. And then I can't find half of them because they're on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. So. Where did it all start? I know it's a very general question that, that you've probably been asked a million times before. But where did where did where did your journey in terms of acting begin? Getting all X factor using the word a journey, but you know, journey. It's all very it's all very uh, now, isn't it? A journey. Yes. Um, well, I was a model, and I I think the industry. I was a glamour model, and I think the industry was kind of changing. So I think with social media starting, that all the lads mags kind of went away. Mm. And it, it just it, everything's kind of more, went a lot more online rather than kind of actual physical printed media and what have you. And I was also, you know, I was getting a little bit older, and I was like, glamour modelling is obviously a career with a shelf life. Um, so I was just trying to work out what I wanted to do next, and I'd been offered a few days. It's pretty much an extra, really. I had like one line. Um, in, in a film and I just really loved being on set and kind of working with everybody I was there for like three days so it wasn't meant to be an extra I mean I had a character name and stuff but I just didn't really have any dialogue mm. um and I just but I just loved being on set so I signed up to like a two-week summer course at a drama school and then doing that two weeks I realized how much more there was to it than and how much I kind of didn't know and ended up auditioning for the full-time and I got in, so that was like the next year. So that was about twelve years ago, I think I graduated. Wow, um, it was a long time ago now. Um, and you know, I've done all sorts of things. I mean, I carried on modelling, um, and I was doing a bit of presenting. So I, I feel like I just kind of work within that kind of entertainment, modelling, acting, presenting, and you know, I, mean, I still do a bit of all of them. So kind of I kind of tried to give up modelling, but it didn't really work. And now I do feel like people are doing this kind of thing a bit older than they used to so I feel like I'm still I'm still getting paid so it's all good I mean it's it, it's really interesting it and, and sort of people you know particularly when sort of people sort of move between different areas within within the entertainment industry and and people do forget that actually um you know in terms you know I think there's a lot that actors could learn from modeling and modeling can learn from acting as well. Um, in that they both, they both require a significant amount of discipline. Um, and you know, how did you find your first couple sort of, um, cause I grew up in theater. I've always been a bit of a levy. Um, but how did you find that initial transition over? Well, I think because having been to drama school, I was it was actually a screen acting school. So I was very used to, and obviously from modelling, I was used to being on camera. Mm. Of, you know, we do, we do everything that other drama schools do. You know, you touch on the Shakespeare and the voice and all of these things, but mm. pretty much everything's on camera. So I was very used to the camera from modelling and from drama school really before I went on set. And actually, I, I found it fine. I don't I don't really tend to get nervous when I'm filming. I, I Like I would if I go to an audition, which I tend not to do now if I can help it. <laughs> because I do get really nervous. I don't even know my name and I'm just useless and I think I don't do myself any favours. So I've just I've just given up going. Um, but yeah, once I'm on set, I'm absolutely fine. I, I don't really panic about it. I'm very lucky with learning my lines. I find it very easy, actually. And I, that was one of those things I, I wondered when I went to drama school. I was like, I'm never going to be able to learn lines. And actually, I tend just to read them a couple of times and I know them. So um, yeah, See, so that, quite lucky I, like that. 
that is a skill I have I am I was always useless with line learning always useless absolutely useless um to the point sometimes where I would particularly I would barely know them stepping on stage which is always a bit of a problem um and I know talked about in a couple of different episodes the best piece of advice I ever got from a director was learn your fucking lines um which yeah, it does. It does. Um, but that's quite. But it's quite nice now being behind the cameras a little bit more and not sort of uh, putting that pressure on people trying to learn lines, which is uh, which was never fun, which <laughs> which I always struggled to do Probably I, because I, I got terrible I, concentration. I used to um, I used to like learn them, you know, way in advance and like read them, read them, read them, read them, read them. And so as I as I've gone on, I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have read the script. I'll know what's going on. And it'll get to like the night before. And I read them before I go to bed. And then I, I don't know, well, your brain, maybe you, the subconscious has time to process them while you're sleeping or whatever. And then I'll be fine. And then I get to set and then you're in the rehearsals. I have my script in the rehearsal, you know, you rehearse it a couple of times and that's fine. And then I'm, I'm, I'm confident that I know them. Um, but I, yeah, I've gone to set going, do I actually know my lines? Am I going to be able to do this today? Because sometimes there's a lot. And um, yeah, I've, I've always managed So. Did you um did you do any live theatre? No, I don't no, I don't want to do theatre. It's too scary. Just in case I do forget <laughs> and I can't think of how to make something up. It's a very lonely place. It is a very lonely place when you've got eyes just staring at you. And yeah, uh I see it. So I think that's a bit like being in an audition for me. That's you know, I don't want to be on that stage of everybody looking at me. I'm fine on a camera and everybody's doing their own job and I feel like no one's really staring at me and then that's fine. <laughs> I did a school play once. Um, I never used to get to do the school plays because I did ballet when I was younger. Mm. And everybody who did ballet automatically just had to be a dancer in a school play. So I never yeah. got to play a role in any of the school plays. And then one year there was a play, didn't have any dancers, but I didn't also didn't want to do it. Um, and then one of the girls, um, she, I don't know, she got like glandular fever or something. And so... I had to step in. So, I mean, and it went fine. I remembered my lines. It was fine. Um, but it's not something that I wish to do again. <laughs> now, in terms of, yeah, I mean, you've, I mean, looking at your IMDB, I mean, you've got 75 credits to your name, um, which is, you know, which in 12 years is, is really impressive. Um, have you got any favorite roles so far? Well, I don't, it says 75 credits. I don't, I mean, there's films that have been put on IMDb that have never happened. So mm. not, you know, it's not quite 75. It's probably like, you know, 50, 60, I don't know. Um, I'm still fair going. There's still quite a lot, but there's still, there's things there as well that haven't even filmed yet. Um, so are there any favourite roles? I mean, I love my character Deets in Banjo and she's also in Eating Miss Campbell. So she came back. Mm. Um, she's a fun one because I, I like playing very strong characters and she's just evil she's just nasty but but she's fun to play um, Chloe in Power Tool Cheerleaders versus the boy band of the Screeching Dead very yes. uh, yeah I actually got the title right there Pat Higgins would be proud because I've gotten it wrong up until now um, so my character Chloe again she's another uber bitch but really fun to play um uh, so Paula Valentine, who is in uh, my character in Ice Cream on the Beach, mm. she's spanned different film universes. So we've kept the character. So she's moving forward in Mosaic 
because um, the character is actually an actress. So that's how they've worked it so that, you know, she's playing these different characters. Nice. And then also Video Shop Tales of Terror, like she's in various segments of that. So I feel like she actually gets more work than me now. Um, <laughs> and Saturnalia, in, in a film of that title, Saturnalia, was uh, Joshua mm. Kennedy we shot out in Texas. And there's hardly any dialogue, but the character basically gets zapped out of a comic book. Um, so all right. of the speech, speech bubbles, which was great because I didn't have to learn any lines. I just had to open my mouth and close it and then all the speech and speech bubbles. But it had to be very expressive facially. So that was a mm. really fun one. And also, no. Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls, because I got to ride a pterodactyl. Now, you see, now that's not, not something everybody brings is able to bring up in a conversation, is it? No. What did you do today? Writing a pterodactyl? Oh, my God, it was the most fun thing. So it was basically just green screen. And I actually really love working on green screen. So I, mm. I know actors don't like it. They like something to be there. But I like doing that. It's, it's kind of like being a child when you play and you're just kind of using your imagination to imagine what's there. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, people talk about the sort of the, the famous tennis ball uh, yeah. on a stick. I mean, that's good for an eye line. So, mm. I mean. That does help, but we didn't have we didn't have a tennis ball on stick. We're in we're in a garage with a green screen and a chair, and a, and I was basically sat on a chair pretending as pterodactyl, and then they'd like blow <laughs> blow use leaf blowers to blow wind at me, and like so that my hair's blowing in you know in in the breeze, and and then I had like a lasso, so I was like trying to climb up this rope to like when I'm swinging off the pterodactyl. It was but it was so much fun. It's, I mean, obviously, um, in terms of because Josh also directed a film with um, Carolyn Monroe, didn't he? Yeah. Um, oh, what was it called? House of the Gorgon, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, I I still haven't checked out Cowgirls vs. Pterodactyls. You just sold that one to I me. It's on Prime. So it's where he's done uh, House of the Gorgon in the style of the old kind of Hammer Horror. Mm. He's done. Cargill says pterodactyls in the Harryhausen. So it's all stop motion, which he's done all by himself. Um, so I think when you watch them, you have to, if you're a fan of, the, you know, these original movies from years and years ago, it's mm. like, it's like you've just stepped back in time and you're watching something that's made in that, that era, which is amazing. Um, and then Saturnalia is something that's just, it's still got like an old school vibe. It's, it reminds me of something that might have been shot in the 60s, Saturnalia. Because um, there are some like kind of, CGI bits and bobs on there. Yeah. Very kind of retro, but yeah, sort of he's, he's an old soul. He's He's got that kind of old school film vibe going on. That's Which is really cool. Cause I mean, obviously um, I think somebody posted something today um, looking very much like the old Doug McClure movies, you know, the, um, the, the land of ti- the time forgotten, the people of time yeah. forgotten, those kind of warloads of warloads of Atlantis, those kind of things. And there's still, I think there's still very much a marking out there. For the for those type of films, yeah. um, do you? Um, I, I mean, obviously, you've done a lot of horror, works a lot in horror. Do you? Is that a particular? Is that a favorite genre of yours to work in, or do you? Or do you not have a favorite? What do you? Where do you stand in terms of genres and things like that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I do love horror. I've always loved horror. Even when I was a little kid, I look at the cartoons I loved, and they were like Count Dracula or Scooby Doo. So you know, they all had kind of dark, darker themes. So, mm. um, Stuff that I've been watching when I was a kid, like Goosebumps and books I read were like Point Horror and again Goosebumps <sighs> and Fear Street. So I've loved that show actually. But so I've always loved horror, but I'm I'm very much into like slashes. Like I'm not really into 
I say I'm not really into zombies, but I've just finished watching The Last of Us, which I loved, but I know they're like, mm. I do really like fungus. Got like an obsession. I go fungus hunting in the forest. <laughs> Again, it's not a not a sentence you'd expect to hear. <laughs> no, I know. But it's so fascinating and there's so many different varieties. Like I don't, I don't like pick it to eat it or anything because that's very dangerous, but I just take yeah. pictures of it and then I'm like, I feel like I've won if I come home with a, a real full. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah another geeky thing that I do so um yes I'm generally not really into zombies or kind of I I like I mean I don't really believe in ghosts in real life because I'm like seeing is believing and nothing's happened Mm. I do like a supernatural horror they actually really freak me out they actually probably scare me more and I like a slasher where it's it's not too heavy it's stuff that you know generally can happen it's like not you know you could have a crazy person in a screen mask with a knife kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, so I like a slasher and they tend to have comedy in there as well, don't they? They, And they're very kind of glossy. So I love stuff like that. So I have always loved horror, but mainly, mainly a slasher. Do you have a favourite slasher? Um, Well, I love Scream. Scream was probably one of the films that kind of made me love horror. So it was in my like high school years. Mm. Um, That kind of sort of late 90s, era so the screams i know what you did last summer the craft urban legend final destination um all those kinds of movies so really really good period for horror really really people give it yeah people tend to give it a little bit more stick i i i do like i love yeah i love i tell you valentine is a great one yes i love that one i think valentine's and it gets i think it's underappreciated it's 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 very much underappreciated I watched it recently, actually. I had a friend over um, and we actually did watch it this year and yeah, she really liked it. So I think it's nice when you've got friends that haven't seen some of these old things. Like I've got a friend that she's never really watched much horror, but every time she comes around, she's like, can we watch a horror? And I'm like, OK. So I feel like I'm educating her, giving her all these things to watch. Nice. Do you go back to like the sort of the golden era of horror? So it would go back to like the original sort of, uh, you know, like um, The Prowler or... Um, Things like the, you know, the original Friday the Thirteenth and those, the, the, you know, the Burning, those sort of those great Tom Savini ones. Do you go back to that era at all? Not really. I mean, I've seen the original Friday the Thirteenth and I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff, but obviously I was very young. I was I, I was born in the eighties, so I was kind of too young to watch them when they came out. So for me, I kind of go back to you know what the time that got me into horror, which was like the late nineties, um, and then obviously the noughties were good and. I mean, at the moment, I haven't really seen anything that's really scared me for a while. I think the last film that I was like, that's absolutely brilliant, was the, um, I don't know what it was called now. Um, hmm. it's, it's great when your brain goes completely yeah. blank on something that you want. happens to me all the time. Is that Jane Doe, something of Autopsy of Jane Doe, is that right? Yes, yeah, it's great. That's the last thing I saw that I was like, wow, that's really good. It's a really good film. Really, really, really good film. Um, yeah, I've kind of, I've, I've, I'm kind of at the moment in the middle of working on a, working on a project of the video nasties from the eighties. So I'm kind of, uh, well, so kind of going back and sort of, you know, looking at those kind of, uh, working my way through some of them. Um, but yeah, there's something really unsettling about uh, the autopsy chain. It is, it's quite. It's, yeah, I do find paranormal, like paranormal stuff, just does frighten me. But I'm not in real life. It doesn't, if that makes sense. So I don't know why it does when it's on film. I don't know. It's an atmosphere thing, I imagine. And yeah. that's the other thing, isn't it? It's sort of, it, those films have this wonderful way of 
creeping up on you um and sort of you know not so much now uh, not so much whilst you're watching it it's that period of time afterwards mm. when you sat um you sat just before you particularly usually before you go to sleep um and that's when your brain just goes oh what was that noise maybe it's the furniture moving all on its own <laughs> we are, I'm, I'm usually okay with that but me and my friend we we'd gone on this trip to scotland we were in edinburgh and we had this airbnb really nice apartment and it was freezing so it was like i think it was october so it was very cold in edinburgh and we mm. got it and it was so cold i had my head like under the covers trying to like you know keep as warm as i could. And I turned the lamp off that was next to my side of the bed. And it's one of those old fashioned lamps where you have that, you know, the button that you have to push right through to the other side. Yes. And I turned it off. So I know that I turned it off properly. So we both like lights out and suddenly the light just came on. So my friend like shot out of bed. She was like, did you do that? And I was like, no, like I'm under the covers. But then she was like, she was so scared. Her teeth were chattering. It just made me laugh. I was like, well, if that is the worst a ghost can do, turn a light on. I could probably try and help, you know, I don't know. But <laughs> I went straight back to sleep because I obviously don't think it's ghost. I was like, it's probably just an electrical thing or something. I don't I don't know how to just I don't know how to <laughs> how to how to decide what that was. But, yeah, she was terrified. But that's the only that's the only maybe paranormal thing that's ever happened to me. So I just I'm struggling. I really want to I want there to be ghosts. I want them to like make themselves known. I like being frightened. Yeah, it's a buzz, isn't it? There is a real buzz. There's yeah. something um yeah i mean like the um I, i've told this a few times but i remember sort of you know part of the, the um the inspiration for school or slaughter came about from me being in the school that i work in um after it closed and it being completely pitch black um the the the, the, the my wife was just was used to te- used to teach drama there um and we were doing a performance in a theater which was miles away so then one of the kids had left part of their costume there. So I had to go back into the building. This was about half past, this was half past seven at night. And the building was completely empty, completely empty and completely in total pitch blackness with only like the, the safety lighting on in certain areas. And it was just and then your brain suddenly starts waking up um, and you just think, oh, this is a bit creepy. This is a bit spooky. It's a bit of a buzz, isn't it? a bit of adrenaline buzz. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I've done like a few of these ghost hunt type things I used to present I've presented a few ghost hunt shows and um yeah nothing's happened that hasn't been able to be explained so in terms of um because obviously you know in terms of acting and being in front like how did you find the step behind the camera to direct how was that for you uh I mean it was fine I had it was a very small cast and crew of mostly you know it was people that I knew so obviously they just made it very easy for me mm. I've, I've produced before and I'd written before so I I wrote and produced Serial Caller um which was in 2013 I think and then after that Bad Moon Rising was another one I wrote and produced and the difference was like Serial Caller we had you know quite a nice budget everyone got paid um but you lose some of your creative control when mm. Um, and then Bad Moon Rising was literally on like just a little bit of cash raised on a crowdfund and it was such a nicer experience actually on set and filming it but then I did get stuck in edit for so long because there was no money Um, and then with with um, horoscopes MJ Dixon from Myco yeah 
asked me to do a piece. And he was like, would you like to direct a piece? And I hadn't really thought of directing until that point. And I was like, direct? And he was like, yeah, we think you're ready. You know, you've been on, you know, a million sets and, you know, you've watched and you've learned and we think you're ready to do something. So actually it was a nice way of being able to have a go, but not, you know, jumping into a feature, just kind of going in and doing something small. So I was given the, the theme of Gemini. So it's horoscopes, they gave 12 people a zodiac sign to work with and they picked them out of hat at random. So I got Gemini for that. And when I finally got my, my idea together, um, it all ran very smoothly actually from there. See um, that it- that's not, that is good to hear, isn't it? It's, it's great when you hear somebody say, oh, yeah, it went smoothly, because you do yeah, hear some um, horror stories. Yeah, I mean, I had, like, a couple of crew. So I had somebody on cameras and lighting, somebody on sound, and that was literally it on set, and then just my actors. So I borrowed an apart- one of my friend's apartments. Another friend works at university, so he managed to get me a lecture theatre. So it all just kind of fell into place. My next one I'm doing is is the same, but it's the part two Chinese Zodiac, and they gave hmm. me a wagon. So I do have a script now, so I finally got there with a story and a script. Because I've got Judy Matheson, so she's from the old Hammer days. Um, she's come on as like my lead actress, and Philip Rogers to play my lead male um and I'm going to be in it just a tiny little bit I wasn't going to be in it I was just going to stick to directing on this one but yeah like a chance to work with Judy um so so I was like well okay and then I don't that's one less person to direct as well if I do it myself so I'm going to have a small role in there but again I'm, I'm hoping it runs quite smoothly I need to I need to sort out my sets for this one I've got a location and sets but they do need some set build and design so that's kind of mm. the next the next job there so did you shot list or did you um did you just think okay i I got it in my head i'm happy to go because i shot list everything i shot list yeah i shot list so i go through each scene and i'm like what do i need from each scene and then obviously and then but and also where it's me doing the call sheets and me doing the shoot schedule i'm scheduling what happens in each day um gemini is quite difficult because my character and you can't even really see it on on the actual final thing but I have one different colour eye. No, I can't get contacts in my eyes unless somebody literally pins me down and like somehow gets them. <laughs> Why I wrote this, I have no idea. There was nobody to help me on set. So I'm trying to get this contact in. I had to do it so that we filmed all of the shots of the character with that one contact in like first and then change it over so i had to like schedule not just costume changing things i was like you have to make sure i've got the right color eye in that costume in that piece because it would take so long to get them in and out so, Did that was you, like, so you didn't end up with it switching eyes then no i didn't end up with it switching eyes but i mean yeah that was that was a, a bit more drama that was that was the biggest drama actually that was the drama was just the eyes so <laughs> And, it, and I've done it again in Dragon. I'm going to need contacts. And I did it in Bad Moon Right. I don't know why this keeps happening. I keep doing this to myself. Just it's clearly something that you've got to, you've, it's a demon that you've got to kind of face yourself, isn't it? You've got to kind of write it. I mean, Fulci, I mean, you're in good company. Fulci had, had a sort of uh, an eye thing going on in a lot of his films as well, sort of usually something being stuck in somebody's eye. But, you know, perhaps like, contacts is your thing. Yeah, I just, just torture myself with contacts. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so, I'm hoping dragons just just as easy, really. I just need to get round to it. 
how did you find were you very hands-on in editing then or was it like i'm done i'm gonna hand it and you handed it over how did you find that process i handed it over and so the dop was edited um so he edited and i said you know he had all my notes of what i wanted he edited he sent it back and i was like okay let's because like you know like let's take a little bit out here let's take something out there um and i wanted something different in a couple of places but he pretty much knew what i wanted um and he'd do an edit and then he'd just send it over for me to sign off and then i'd be just keep sending back my notes until we got there in the end nice so how long did i take not long a couple of weeks and that was just him doing it in in amongst other other things really Cool. That's good. And it's nice. I sort of I, t- I tend to edit myself. I edit everything because I think it's in my head. Yeah. Um, and it's just easier to kind of do it that way. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's good. It's, it's nice that you're, you were able to have that kind of process. That's really, really cool. Yeah, there I, any... I don't I don't know how to edit. So that's just it's not something I'd. Um, yeah, I haven't a clue. I'm not technical. <laughs> so at the moment, what do you think of the, you know, the, the challenges that facing at the moment with it working within the industry um challenges mainly because i do a lot of the independent horror it's budget stuff so Mm. obviously it's like trying to get things done within the budget so that's what you know either acting or you know when i'm producing directing or anything myself um and i suppose like in the current climate as well like i because you because i the horror industry everyone's friends and you want to be able to do stuff but you have to be like this is a job like you have to get paid um so you have <laughs> one of the struggles is like saying no that you can't do something for somebody yeah you, you just visit you can't um but yeah i mean main I, I mean think yeah i think mainly it's like budget stuff and then obviously people to make money now like amazon you're putting things on amazon prime or on these like streams you hardly get anything back from it so yeah difficult and there's a there's a lot more people making film now that you know cameras are more accessible like used to be you know back years ago you could only shoot films on these massive cameras and things now you know you can shoot things on the tiniest cameras they're accessible everyone can afford them so there's so many people you're now fighting against in the same thing to try and get your films out there but yeah yeah and i mean and i think sometimes people sort of are drawn to horror because they think it's easier Mm. um and i I know when i speak to sort of people you know different you know I think I mentioned this with the last time MJ was on the show. I think like there's a very fine line between horror and comedy, and yeah. you know it, it's a very you you got to tread carefully when you when you're doing it, unless you're obviously you're making a horror comedy. And but but obviously it, there is a lot out there at the moment. There is mm-hmm. a lot. And I, do you think the market's a saturation point? I think it's very saturated. But I mean, if you've got an original idea, you know, then then hopefully you can get something out there. But you see a lot of things that are just kind of pretty much carbon copies of something else and mm. probably the original of it is going to be much better so i mean and then obviously the people distribution companies they've got to filter through all of this to see what they do want to release so that's it is difficult yeah so, yeah i think these are the main main issues so do you um do you when you obviously when you're acting do you have a particular um do you fall back on technique, you know, particular techniques? Do you prepare in a certain way for different roles? Or is it a case you learn lines, show up, and, and, and like you said, just go from there? Uh, well, all of these things. Um, so I'd, I'll think about the character. I'll think about, you know, who who is that character? Not just who they are for that, you know, 90-page script. Like, 
who are they? What's their backstory? Where do they come from? What are their likes and dislikes? What drives them? Like, are they driven by love or hate or revenge or, you know, and, and if so, why? All of these things. So you have to know exactly why they are the way they are and why they would certainly act the way they do. So I play quite a lot of like strong kind of bitchy characters, but I always, you always have to also like something in your character. So I would just be like, mm. she's this way because, and it's not something that you ever have to tell anyone. It's not something that ever is, is, you know, uncovered in the script, it's just like you just know, so that you, you're kind of playing them authentically. Um, but then, yeah, obviously, learn your lines, turn up on set and hope you say them in the right order. Um, and Michael Caine's actually got a book on acting, which is probably the best thing I read. So I read when I was at drama school, I read all the Stanislavskis and the Meisners and yeah. done all these techniques. Um, but I mean, I think sometimes it's it's made to sound a lot more complex than it is and some people just naturally can do it and some people play different characters very naturally but I think Michael Caine's book for anyone who wants to read a little bit about acting it's just very straightforward and it's like basically it's just you know it's, it's it kind of just simplifies it all really yeah I mean and when you do look at people like Kate, Michael Caine they are very people accuse them obviously playing themselves but actually they're very very naturalistic um and incredibly watchable you know yeah. uh, i mean you look at some of the stuff that michael Caine has done i mean jaws the revenge is 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 not great it ain't one of the classics out of the jaws series <laughs> however he is incredibly watchable in it and he is he, he still gives a good performance yeah i mean actually it says in his book that you know, when, especially when he was starting out, he'd just accept every single role. He'd be like, even if it's going to be terrible, obviously, firstly, you're getting paid to do it. And also, you'll learn something while you're doing it. And as long as you're good in it, then you've got something out of it. Like, as long as you've done your best and you're good. Um, so I think he's kind of covered that in there about why he's done some of the some of the roles he's done when he probably didn't need to. But at the same time, pays the bills. Well, he famously said about somebody asked him, had he ever seen Jaws the Revenge? And he said, no, I've never seen it. However, I have seen the house that I bought my mother in Mallorca. So exactly. I think that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, the other thing I mentioned at the top of the show was uh, music. Mm-hmm. And obviously you've released, I think, is it two albums? No, just one album. Um, and we are we're supposed to be working on the second one at some point, but we, I want to kind of have it all ready to go before I go up and record. So tell us a little bit about that. How did that come about? Well, it was Will Metheringham um, was doing the soundtrack for, I think it was Pumpkins. And he he just said, do you, do you want to do a song? And I was like, okay. Because I, you know, every girl used to want to be a pop star, you know, when she was little. Well, I definitely did, singing into the mirror with my hairbrush. Um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, like just as something fun to do. And I just went and did some lyrics for for a song that was going in Pumpkins. And then as I came back and then he said, oh, I've got these other songs. Um, they'd written something for their band um, at the time, but they were like, but then doesn't really suit our band, but we think it'd be quite good for you. He had a few other songs. He was like, and they just kept writing songs and saying, well, this would be good for you. And then we ended up with kind of 10. So we went, I went up um up north, up to Yorkshire, and uh, recorded, over a couple of days, recorded the album. And I have since been back and I recorded a song called Butterflies, which mm. is released on on its own as a single, but that will probably remix for the next album. But I do need nine more songs. So 
um, between us. I haven't really had time to do any writing. Like I'll, I'll write bits of lyrics or little things and then I'll send them over to him going, what can you do with this? Um, and then he'll kind of make it work as a song. So him and Neil Chatterton as well has done some writing and he comes and does some really amazing guitar solos on my stuff. Um, so do you have you had any vocal training yourself or is it just okay. just something that something that you just enjoy doing and you just got, got ahead and done it? Yeah, exactly that. No, I haven't had any vocal training. I just sing just singing in the shower and into the mirror in to my hairbrush to, I don't know, Spice Girls, Kylie Minogue in my teenage years. So I, I, was, I was about to ask, what is, so are they some of your musical influences then? I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I love the Spice Girls. They're just my general influence, I think, for everything. But um yeah, like I love Kylie Minogue. I always have, but my my musical taste I, it's quite diverse. So I love indie kind of indie alternative rock, but then I do love cheesy pop. So growing up again, when I did, so you know Britney, the Spice Girls, all that kind of era of yeah cheese. I love, um, but Kylie actually had a, a album called Impossible Princess. It's kind of a lesser known Kylie Minogue album. It's when she kind of disappeared for a while. Mm she did like an indie album and I actually was really, that with the is, is that the one she did with Nick Cave uh, I don't know that song the, the call it, is it the white rose on there um yeah maybe I know the song you mean um I don't know if that's on that album it must be but there's some really good tracks on that album I don't need anyone um yeah no there's loads of really good tracks on the album I think Limbo Breathe um, so that's that's kind of stuff I'd like to do. So kind of poppy, but still a bit indie rather than, you know, too much cheese. <laughs> How did you did you find that, you know, did you end up doing uh, a lot of takes? Did you find how, really. did, how did you find you just sort of went in and were just able to do it? Yeah. So we break it up so you don't kind of sing the whole song. You'll do like, you know, a verse or a couple of lines from verse and then just kind of keep repeating that bit and then do the next bit or try and get through it. <coughs> um, but I think the first album was kind of a bit more ele- electronic rock style. Mm. I, mean, I mean, it's a mix. It has got a mix of stuff on there. My favourite song on the first album was one that we nearly didn't even do. It was called Do You Feel the earth move or something like that and um that was there was another song and i was like oh, i don't really like this one and he was like well what about this and i was like i love this one so that very nearly wasn't even on there it's interesting isn't it when you sort of you, particularly you, know, you speak to sort of you know people within the uh, particularly people within bands and particularly famous album tracks, you know, people talk about, you know, they weren't particularly, the band weren't keen on it and then they yeah. record and it becomes the biggest, you know, it becomes the biggest hit or the most popular one that they play live. It seems to be something that's sort of, the sort of, um, it's quite common, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, um, so how long did it take you to actually record the album? Not long. I probably, probably over, over three days. There's only 10 songs. So do like three songs in a day quite easily so yeah probably only three days in the actual studio but then obviously the editing and the mixing and everything mastering takes a bit longer but that's nothing to do with me yeah Uh, but like I was saying for the next one because it's also in Yorkshire and I'm based in London at the moment um I don't want to travel back and forth all the time so I was like you know we did butterflies as kind of a standalone and I think I was up north anyway so we did it while I was up north um, but I I kind of want to have the other nine songs ready to go, like the demos done, ready to go. Um, and I want mm. to like so do you, go in. So 
So are you going to be writing the lyrics for it and then they're going to be putting the music to it? Or do you put do you put a tune down? You know, any of those kind of how does it work? Um, so to be honest, Will does most of it between Will, Neil, Adrian, uh, the producer. They kind of do a lot. Um, but I, I did write a little bit on Twisted Dream in the last album. So if I have anything good, if I have if I come up with anything, I'll send it over. And then if Will can work with it, then um then he does. So we were we were trying something else which which still hasn't been finished. Um with that I've done a bit of writing on. But I do have something that I wrote with a friend of mine and we we wouldn't mind doing that. So I might try and get that for the second album. Nice. So do you have a particular favourite, you know, do you, do you like to just, you know, in terms of uh, when you're actually singing, do you, prefer, do you have got a particular favourite style? Do you like to sort of, do you prefer a ballad or do you prefer a pop or do you prefer to just be sort of uh, rocking out? Which is which is your favourite? Um, yeah, I don't, not really a ballad. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess just pop style, pop, pop rock style. Yeah. Cool. Nice. I have had a listen, actually. I have had a listen. There's some really good tracks on there. It's really, it is, it's a good, you know, it's well worth, well worth downloading and well worth having a listen to. So um, Vamp is the album, isn't it? It is. And I still have CD copies for sale on my website. So you can actually get those or it's on all of the usual platforms, Spotify, iTunes, all the other ones, Apple Music, Amazon Music. So, how you know oh you know in terms of you know have you been ever been given any you know i sort of asked this question or have you been given any particular advice in terms of acting or have you got any particular advice you'd give anybody oh no no i mean that that learning lines before bed was actually something once somebody once said to me so i'll pass that on um so that's that's advice there for learning lines um no not, not really i mean i think Everyone just has to pave their own way, I guess. It's you know, everyone's everyone's journey is different. Back to the yeah. journey. It's back to the um, journey. Uh, yeah, I mean, watch lots of film. Write when you're not doing anything. Um, just yeah, it's just try and keep busy. Now, obviously. You- as we sort of kind of start wrapping things up a little bit now, um, there's th- usually there's a couple of things that we sort of um, ask people who've been on the show. So what are the three books you would recommend to somebody and why? Books. So I've, I've come up with stuff for this, but they're like not acting books or anything. They're just, yeah. just, just books. So there's an author called Kate Thompson who wrote a book. She writes kind of wartime romance. So again, like you'll actually find me with my nose in a bit more than you were watching a film. I was actually a, high school librarian once um, oh wow it was um so, like at my high school not I didn't work in one when I was at high school um but she writes kind of wartime romance which is a it's, it's a it's kind of genre I quite like and um, she wrote one called the allotment girls which is set in the old Bryant and May matchstick factory which is actually the building I live in now oh so, wow um I live it's now all being converted but it actually was they did have allotments and things here in war and um, so I found that very interesting. I've since gone on to I've gone to a few of her book launches and read all of her books now. But if you if you like that kind of thing, um, but there's also another author called Ellie Griffiths, mm-hmm. a series called the Ruth Gallery Mysteries, and they are archaeological thrillers and they're set in Norfolk. So having grown up in Norfolk, I love reading them because well, there's archaeology, there's you know crime, murders being solved, um, but also Norfolk landscape. And another author called Sid Moore, who um, I found a book 
on a bookshelf in a bar actually called the Drowning Pool, and it's a witchy oh. set in Essex. And I've gone on, I've gone on to read um, lots of her follow-up books, um, and they're all kind of a bit witchy. So she's also very good. So I'd recommend all of those. Nice, nice. So, any three movies you'd recommend? Any three movies I'd recommend? Oh my god, so many movies I'd recommend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, obviously Scream. Yeah. Scream, The Craft. So for anyone who's kind of, there might be people listening to this who kind of haven't watched all that 90s horror, they might be born a little bit later. So Scream, Craft, Urban Legend. Oh, that's, that's, now, you see, that is a fantastic triple bill. Mm. That is a great triple bill. I like The Craft. I like The Craft a lot. It's a great, it's a, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. The great cast. Uh, yeah, such a good film. I was really disappointed with the remake. I was like, why? Why did they do this? <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, if they should have just left it alone. Yeah, some things are better left where yeah, they are. Much better left where it was. I mean, I would have loved it if they'd have brought, done something at the same time, if they'd done sequels at the same time with the same cast. But at the same time, it, yeah, I don't know. I think it's very much a standalone film, so... Absolutely. Absolutely. So what about, um, do you have any podcasts that you would recommend? Obviously, except for the Undead Wookiee, because that goes without saying. Obviously, the Undead Wookiee and my co-host podcast, so MJ Dixon's podcast. Um, so I work for a site called Lingerie Lowdown. So I review lingerie and I do a Prosecco podcast with uh, my friend, Miss Black Rain. And we've been friends for 20 years. And we basically, we start talking about things in the industry modeling things acting things lingerie all any kinds of things but we've been told that we we're, we're a little bit like ronnie corbett that start talking about one thing and then end up this is how, this is the guy who runs lingerie lowdown described <laughs> that we start talking about one thing and then we just go off on some complete other tangent and he's like i don't even know if you two know what you're talking about by the end of it but you send to cover cover we cover a lot so there's that one which is fun and um i'm i can't say much actually i'm going to be involved in another podcast soon um but i'm not allowed to talk about it because it's oh right now but it is it is kind of a filmy thing that's all i can say oh watch the space yes that's, yeah, I know. So that's not even three podcasts. That's two and a and a two to be announced. That sounds. I I think that sounds quite intriguing. To be perfectly honest. So where can the good listeners find you on the social media zizzes and on the interweb? So I do have a website which then has all the links to everything on. Um, so it's www danny-thompson.com social media is at miss danny tease and tease is spelled t-e-e-z-e on twitter however i'm miss danny tease too because my twitter got hacked in january and my email got hacked as well my old email and so to get my twitter back i had to have my original email which i didn't have anymore so my my 15,000 blue tick twitter is gone and obviously i'm not going to pay for a blue tick because i'm not that vain so I now have like a few hundred followers on. I, I still tweet, but I feel like Twitter's had its day. So I'm kind of more of an Insta. And I'm going to try and give this TikTok thing a go. But I think TikTok's going to be more of my hikes. Um, I'm just not very good at the whole TikTok thing. I don't I don't really know how it works. I'm kind of playing with it a little bit at the moment. It's all a bit new and scary. 
Yeah, <laughs> I actually had it really early. Some American girls. I went to see the Spice Girls and met these American girls there and made friends with them. And this was before TikTok was really known about in the UK. And they were like, oh, you have to get on TikTok. So I signed up to it back then. But then I just never really got into it. Hmm. I mean, I, it's, it is incredible, my dear. You put something on and then suddenly you've got 800, 900 views for doing yeah. very, very little, which is quite impressive. Do you know what yeah. I though? People sending me other people's TikToks. It's like, I don't care. Do I look like I'm interested in watching someone mime along to something? Or like, you know, I, like, I have no interest in watching YouTube videos of other people or TikToks of other Like, I, I'm not interested. And so many people just kind of, in bed, box gets full. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I find that I, I just sort of think I don't have anything to post. I don't think I must be really not, not that interested. It's just I don't find, I find it really just sort of like, oh, what am I going to forget? Is willing to all do do all the filming for you, don't you? Like, you know, if you're out and about, you something. And I just think I, I kind of want to be more in the moment rather than actually being filmed doing everything. Yeah. Yeah. I just sort of I know, like, you know, some people are incredible at it and you, you just think, mm. wow. You know, but yeah, no, I can't just, I don't know, maybe it's a, maybe it's the sort of a Gen X in me a little bit, but you're just thinking, uh, I don't know, I don't know, uh, really, yeah. I, might, I, I could take or leave it. But, you know, so the other thing as well I meant to mention, you've obviously got your Stardust Holistic stuff as well. Um, how did that come about? So my mum is a Reiki master and she does angelic um, healing and various different things Indian head massage and lots of different bits and bobs and I did my Reiki training with her before lockdown and then during lockdown like I've always been really interested in crystals and things so then mm. I ended up doing crystal courses just you know to keep me busy um and and then I went to I've been to sound baths before and then I went to a sound bath um, and it was, wasn't even a, one that's in a, like an amazing location or anything. It was in somebody's house. And I just, I, you know, and you just kind of go, this is what I kind of want to do next. Um, so I'm not giving up filming. I'll still, you know, I'll still, I'll still work in film, but I yeah. just want something that's a bit more for your well-being and to help other people with their well-being is a little bit more fulfilling than just making movies all the time. And, you know, feel, acting, you're not filming all of the time. So you do have all of this other time. Mm. So. I did sound training last year, um, sound therapy, so sound singing bowls and tuning forks. And then set up Stardust Holistics, which it kind of covers all of that. But obviously, I do actually treat people now. So I have various locations in London that I will go and do sound baths or crystal treatments. But also people can come to me um, in East London. Um, but I do I do vet my clients you know i do check them out because i do think from my background in modeling or whatever there's going to be people that just kind of want to be in my house and you have to be safe so absolutely uh, so yeah, i do make sure everyone's social media and it, like make sure everybody's kosher but I, i'm doing actually an online sound bath um twice a month i'm doing like on the around the new moon and the full moon and i can do distance healing as well so people can book me to do it kind of one-on-one uh, remotely Wow. I mean, it's obviously we like I said, we got a glass, you know, we're back and forth. We were married at the Goddess Temple in Glastonbury. Um, and uh, so we do, you know, we sort of we we, we, a, we, we are a Wiccan house. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it, it is always quite cool to me to sort of uh, other people who sort of enjoy a good sound bath as well as everything else. So, uh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. 
it's on my it's on my list of places I have to go. Um, I have, yeah, I've never been. I don't know how I've managed not to do that. It's an absolutely fascinating place. It I is to go you know, out of season when it's not like festival time and stuff. So there is. I mean, what's really interesting is that you know, obviously the festival is it's quite a distance out from the oh, town centre. Yeah, it's quite a d- d- distance out, and you know you sort of. Um, the town is just great. It's it's just this sort of like, it's clear that people arrived there in the sixties and never made it out. Mm. It's uh, and you got the tour and you know because we had a before our wedding we had a blessing on the land, um, so we went to all the different sort of you know the the, the points uh, like Carradwens. Uh, we went to um, which was nice, particularly being Welsh and sort of being sort of quite interested in sort of uh, Welsh mythology and the Mabinogion and those kind of stories and those kind of things. So it was quite nice to sort of go to those places and to Chalice Wells. And it's, it's, it's well worth a trip. Well worth a trip. I'll definitely do it. I will. It's, it's on my list. I'll definitely go one day. It is well worth the list. So just before we wrap it up, is there anything else that you would like to, you know, like your, your avid listeners, followers would like to know where to get hold of you or um, otherwise yeah. we can... So, uh, what else? <laughs> Another one of my things. I've got a uh, murder mysteries company. So, Murder Mysteries Inc. Um, and we write murder mystery packages um, so that people can host their own parties. So, they come with all the instructions and all the scripts. And we have packs for different player amounts. So, six, eight, 10, or 12 players. Um, so, you can find those at www.murdermysteriesinc.com and, um, and host your own murder mystery. So, you can either do it over a meal. And do like there's three rounds in each script, so you can, mm-hmm. you know, start a main course dessert with your rounds in between, or and you can also play them via Zoom if you want. So if you've got friends, family who don't live near you and you can't have everybody in the same room at the same time, and you want some kind, you know, some kind of family party with everyone involved, you can actually give everybody that you, everyone gets their own pack. So the host would kind of send that out to each individual player, and um, and you can play the games that way. So we. But we write everything ourselves in house, do all the designing in house. That's really so, cool. Yeah, my yeah. first, my first paid acting gig was as a murder mystery actor. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was my first paid gig, way back in the midst of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was murder at the castle. Murder. Uh, We've got that's not at the haunted castle or something. Murder at the castle. I, I played Rodri. Rodri. So yeah, just. Welsh. <laughs> Very, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, Danny, thank you so much for giving up your time for being uh, for joining us in this episode. Um, it's been great talking to you. Um, and you've got an open invitation to come back anytime you want. Thanks. Um, and we haven't actually covered the screen movie, so if you fancy coming on and covering one of them when we do one of our deep dives, you are more than welcome. Yeah, absolutely. So take care, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Once again, I would like to say thank you to Danny for coming on. Uh, I know she's incredibly busy, so thank you very much. Don't forget, you will be able to find all of her links to all of her social media in the show notes. So, up next, we have got What the Wookiee Watched. So, first, we are going to be looking at It Stains the Sand Red from 2016. Let's check out the trailer. Stop! Nick! Stop! Can we, like, wedge a piece of wood underneath it? Where do you see a piece of wood anywhere? Look around. 
Jimmy, can you hear me? It's Nick. Can you hear me, man? Okay, that was the trailer for It Stains the Sand Red from 2016. Um, it was directed by Colin Minihan. Uh, it stars Brittany Allen, Merwin uh, Mondeza, Juan Riendega, uh, Christopher Higgins and Andrew uh, Sp Spunez. Spunez? I apologise for butchering any of those names. Um, it came out in 2016, like we already said. It's a Canadian-American um, production. And it stars Brittany Allen, who is uh, a woman who's going through some difficult times in her life. And she is relentlessly pursued through the deserts just outside Las Vegas by a single zombie. This film works best when it really is a character piece. And the scenes between Brittany Allen as Molly and Juan Riendega as Smalls the zombie are actually become quite touching. And um, Smalls um, is a really, really layered zombie character. You don't normally see that. Um, and I think this talks says a lot about um, Juan Riendega's uh, performance. It's absolutely superb, as well as Brittany Allen. Brittany Allen is absolutely fantastic in this. Um, however, where It Stains the Sands falls down is it just piles on the misery onto her character um including a really really unnecessary rape scene that serves absolutely no real purpose other than just another way to torture a protagonist now it's a it's something that happens it's a deeply unpleasant scene um it does feel rather gratuitous and, okay, people will argue that cinema itself is gratuitous. However, you, 
these kind of you know sexual assault is always been a sort of ooh bit of a, a taboo area within film and rightly so and if it's going to be done it needs to be handled with a great deal of sensitivity it kind of happens here and then it's just glossed over completely glossed over um and very similar in ways to like in the walking dead where they just you know when they kind of sort of uh, when negan first appeared and they just piles the misery upon misery upon mu- misery upon rick and and the gang there and you just kind of go oh really oh this is not good um it slows it down a little bit you just think it's really not handled well um and the film then kind of moves towards a more conventional zombie movie um which is actually to its detriment um no it may sound like i didn't like this film but I, because i actually did um and there is a lot to like here um but there are there are some choices that the film turns and th- that this, this film made that just undermine um some of the really really good work early on um however it like i said it's available on shudder um here in the uk and i would give this one a 7.5 out of 10 okay up next we have got my worst fear rats night of terror from 1984 let's check out the trailer rats what do they want from us Rats. Why are they man's enemy? Rats. They are watching and waiting. Rats. Their time has come. Why do rats repel us? What is it about those little furry bodies that's so frightening? Just think of them close to you. They're here. They're coming. God, no! Who could stop them, and how? Ah! Rats are here, under our feet, all around us. Come on, out of the open so I can smash you to pieces. Come to the slaughter! A strange rat from another community came into it. He was soon killed. And afterwards, eaten. Seething, teeming millions, their little red eyes gleaming with rage and hunger. No! I don't want to die like that! No! Don't lead us alive! They'll kill us all! Kill all of us! For the last time, I'm warning you. Drop the guns, Kurt. Go on. You'll never get away. You two move that console and barricade yourselves in. No. I'll try to stop them. waiting for you tonight because this is your night of terror here come the rats okay that was the trailer for rats night of terror from 1984 directed by the one and only the legendary bruno Mattei. 
Um, set in a post-apocalyptic Earth where most of humanity lives underground, a group of surface people stumble upon an abandoned lab that was trying to bring life back to the Earth's surface, but the place is overrun by vicious rats. Um, the cast stars uh, Ottavio uh, Delacqua as Kurt, who famously played the Wormite Zombie in Full Cheese. Zombie, a.k.a. Zombie Flesh Eaters. Um, the wonderful Goretta Goretta appears as Chocolate. Uh, of course, famously, um, in she was in Lamberto Barva's Demons. Uh, you've got Massimo Vani as Tarnas. Uh, Gianni Franco as Vida and Giselle Glass as Mirana, uh, Cindy Ledbetter as uh, Diana, you've got uh, Fausto Lombardo as Juice, um, here he is credited for some reason as Tony Lombardo, uh, you have uh, Jean Christophe uh, Brigini as Lucifer, you have uh, Henry Lucina as Duke, and you get Catherine Troth as Kat and Laura Avergan as Laura. Now, this one was a real struggle for me, uh, simply because I am absolutely terrified of rats. I, I have a path. I am just they just terrify me, just terrify me. Um, that being said, uh, I soldiered on like a brave soldier, putting big boy pants on, um, and I actually had a blast watching it, um, despite squirming the entire time. Uh, it's completely nonsensical. It makes no sense. Um, there are times that the characters are just spoken in dialogue that, ha well, yeah, they're spoken in dialogue. Uh, Rats Night of Terror is a gory slice of Italian post-apocalyptic apocalyptic horror. Um, you've got rats eating their way through people's bodies um, and indeed exploding from corpses. Um, the one scene that absolutely just just made my skin crawl was where one crawls out of somebody's mouth. Um, 88 Films have put a great release of this out. Um, it's got a brilliant score. Um, wonderful synth score by Luigi Sicarelli. Uh, and this is just... It, it's so much fun. Um, the final reveal is an absolute scream. It is wonderful. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it, but you can see it coming a mile off. Um, this one, and truth be told, you want, it's a 6 out of 10, but for enter two, entertainment purposes, it is at least a 20 out of 10. Um, yeah, it, it's just so... It, it's a lot of fun. However, for me, being uh, a ratophobic, I don't know if there's a proper word for it out there, um, yeah, Difficult one to watch for me, but I loved it. It was great, great, great fun. So, like I said, 6 out of 10. And you can find this one over on uh, Freebie. Um, so, if you don't mind uh, the occasional random advert popping up, it's well worth a look over there. Okay, next up, we have got a brand new film for you. And this is getting its first UK release. Um, I think it would be available for you guys on the 21st of April. I think it'll be out on Amazon uh, and other streaming platforms. Um, and it is Wrath of Souls from 2020. It's also known as Aya Wrathful Soul. Um, so let's check out the trailer. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for the job, sir. I really do appreciate it. This is where we send people to the afterlife and hope they never come back. Were you in here last night by any chance? Because your office is like really messed up. Oh. What do you want? Stop you pig! Okay, that was the trailer for Wrath of Souls, directed by Ilantirium Armagan. I think it did quite well on that one, guys. And it stars Kaber Singh as Kieran, uh, Talia Jade Holt as Sarah Martin, Corey Williams as Steve Lewis, and Richard Huggett as Albert Fisher. Now, the story follows uh, Kieran, who ends up taking a job at a local cemetery, um, where very soon... Uh, things start taking a rather spooky turn for the worse um this one is a really really nice little gothic ghost story really uh gothic in the sense that obviously it has the sort of you know it's set in a cemetery um there's vengeful spirits um demonic entity i suppose is the best way to describe it and i really enjoyed this one um this is an indie horror from australia um even though i enjoyed it uh, when you cast, you know, when you really look at it, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Okay, it's very, very well shot. It looks fantastic. Um, it's got solid, Sorry, it's got solid central performances in it uh, from Kaber Singh and uh, Sarah Martin, um, played by uh, Talia Jade Holt, um, his girlfriend. The effects work is very well handled, uh, particularly given how, you know, this is a low-budget film. Unfortunately, the film falls down a little uh, by its use of a fractured narrative, okay? So instead of creating this sense of intrigue and setting up a nice big reveal at the end what we get is something that becomes very very muddled where we get characters popping in and out for no real apparent reason um and that can sort of if they had just told the story in a linear fashion um i think it would have been a much much uh stronger film for it that being said, the final showdown is fantastic, and it's so well done. Really, really, you know, I really enjoyed this film, so it's well worth watching. But you do have to hang on in there a little bit, okay? Um, now it's available for streaming, um, and this one has been released uh, by Bulldog Films, so you can find this one, I believe, uh, on most streaming platforms. Okay, up next we have got. Casting Kills from 2023. Let's check out the trailer. How did the audition go? Yeah, I should get the call back. Well, this place is somewhat modest, but kind of cosy, wouldn't you say? It's not like he's going to murder me or anything. Tell the truth, I'm a staunch advocate of Me Too. I'm 
everyone in this industry is up to something. One thing I am very good at is spotting fresh talent. And when I saw the casting call, I was like, so totally recognizing. And I felt like it was really me and where I needed to be. Unless you step aside, I'll put word around so that you never audition again. I don't want to get involved with the police. I want a role in this movie. I need it. I'm really into horror. I mean, totally into it. I'm yet to be killed in one, though. <laughs> I'd love to be murdered in a film. Okay, that was the trailer for Casting Kill from 2023, directed by James Smith, written and produced by Caroline Spence. This one is um, is a UK indie film, and it is a horror thriller, pretty much in the vein of... Um, pretty much Hitchcockian in a number of ways, and it follows the story of an identity fraudster posing as a casting director for a major Hollywood production who preys on uh, young actors desperate to get their big break. Um, like I said, it, this very much wears its sort of... Um, its Hitchcockian influences um, on its sleeve. There's references to Cary Grant in there. And what I really, really enjoyed was the um, the central protagonist, uh, Arthur Capstone, played by uh, Rob Laird. Uh, or La- Laird? 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 I think so. Ro- sorry, Rob, if you're here and listening to this. Um, who plays a very soft-spoken serial killer with some mommy issues. Um, I really enjoyed this. Um, it's single set in location, really leans into that sort of um, that sort of diegetic space with its heavily um, emphasised use of uh, close-ups, which really gives us as an audience, it really pulls us into the sort of... Um, it gives us a front row seat, I suppose, for the characters of uh, Ruby and Dominic um, as we are pulled deeper and deeper into the CD's going, uh, CD goings-on. Um, like I said, uh, Arthur Capstone is played by Rob Ladd. Led, I suppose. Why? I do not know what is going on today, guys. I'm having so many problems with names on this episode, so forgive me. You're just going to have to put up with it. Uh, Rob Laird uh, as Arthur Capstone. Rachel uh, Chimer as Ruby. Uh, Jack Forsyth Noble as Dominic. And Ian Renshaw as Xander. Um, overall, Casting Kills is is a solid film. And if you're a fan of old Hitchcock, well, then you're going to certainly enjoy this one. Um like I said, this one was shot for about twelve thousand uh, pound, and it makes great use of its of its single location. Um, all shot in central London. Very very small cast. Uh, really really well worth checking out. Now it's available on uh, Amazon UK and US, and I think it's also available on Tubi as well. So, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we've got a couple of things to finish up on. Uh, first of all, um, I've been threatening for a very, very long time and I finally got round to it. So we've had a bit of a tidy up over on the YouTube channel. And over there, it's pretty much going to be solely 
for uh, the for my short films and any filming projects and those kind of things. So that's where it's going to be. Now, if you pop on over there, uh, really appreciate uh, likes and some subscri- some subscribes. That would be fantastic. That would help massively. Um, you can see the recut version, uh, short version of School Hall Slaughter. Um, I've, it's got a completely new beginning. Um, there's new music elements to it. There's some uh, new. Se- there's a couple of different scenes in there, um, and it's probably the most complete version of the short film um, as it stands. Also, um, the short film I shot last summer uh, with the wonderful Emma Stacey um, and Christopher Lambert is in there and my brother-in-law John Hunt is in there. And if you like your sword and sandals or your sword and sorcery, get over there and you can check out um, Iron as well. Um, so, and of course, our wonderful, you know, the Undead Wookiee's very own Peter Nielsen provides a beautiful voiceover um, at the beginning of Iron. So it's most definitely worth checking it out just for that. But like I said, so that's the YouTube channel. Um, so if you could like and subscribe, that would be wonderful. Uh, you don't forget, you can find us over on Facebook at The Undead Wookiee. You can find us on Instagram at The Undead Wookiee. Now, sometimes you will see it, it'll pop up as The Undead Wookiee 1980. Um, and you can also find us on Twitter at the undead wookie i am really really trying my best to get to um, to keep us having fresh content uh, and sort of different things that uh, you guys might be interested in if you like what you've heard here you can pop on over to letterbox as well and you can read some of the stuff that i've written that's over on there i also post a lot of that content over to our facebook page and if you're really interested in a slightly longer version of things that I've written, um, you can pop on over to Horrified, the online uh, horror magazine uh, run by the show's good friend Jay Prowse. And you can see my uh, my scribblings on the classic um, portmanteau, The Monster Club, starring Vincent uh, Price, which is one of my favourites. So uh, there's my musings on that. So... Our time, once again, draws to an end, ladies and gentlemen. And that's all that is left for me to say in the immortal words of Count Duckula. Good night out there, whatever you are.